Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. Why the Dallas Cowboys flaming out in yet another playoffs is not on Dak Prescott's shoulders. And speaking of not having enough talent, the Eagles showed Brian Dayball that you can't out-scheme more talent. And there's no trouble in paradise with Stephon Diggs. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. For the second year in a row, the Dallas Cowboys season ends on the final drive against the 49ers in the playoffs. The Cowboys fell to Brock Purdy and the 49ers this time 19-12. to Jerry Jones was asked about Mike McCarthy's future after the game, and Jerry shrugged off those questions about his future, saying he's not going to make any decisions on Mike McCarthy this offseason. Joining me now from Locked On Cowboys, Marcus Mosier. And, and, and Marcus, we'll get to the Mike McCarthy of it all in a second. But there's been a lot of discussion about Dak Prescott's play in this game um, after the loss. What did you think of how Dak played and how much he contributed to what was ultimately uh, a shortfall here? He stunk. He just didn't play well. Like, the protection was good. Um, it held up. He had a lot of time in the pocket. Just wasn't seeing things well, and he was making some inaccurate throws. Uh, never really felt comfortable. He didn't play well. Doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. Trust me, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks play awful in the playoffs before. Look no further than Patrick Mahomes last year in the playoffs in a big game. It happens. Does it mean he's a terrible quarterback? No. Does he mean he's the best quarterback in the league? Also, no. It's <laughs> it happens, Peter. It happens. And and I thought you were going with uh, D'Amico Ryan's against Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, just a season ago when the Packers could only muster 10 points against this same D'Amico Ryan's defense. It does happen, even if you are the league MVP. So what changes do need to come in Dallas, including if you think Mike McCarthy, even though Jerry Jones has said that's not going to happen? Well, look, you look at the, the four teams that are left in the playoffs, the Chiefs, Bengals, 49ers, and Eagles. And they all have weapons all over the field. Like, it's fantastic that C.D. Liam broke out and had this great year. But you need other guys, right? It's like, hard to argue the Cowboys are as talented as those teams. Right. And that's why Cowboy fans shouldn't take this loss too hard. You're just not quite as talented as those teams. You're, you're a very good team. Not quite as good as those teams. So this offseason, get some more playmakers on offense. Get some more speed. And I think you can have a chance because we've seen some quarterbacks that aren't as good as Dak be elevated by the playmakers around them. You do that, uh, you have a chance again next year. Yeah, I mean, Dak's breakout season was in 2016 when he had a, a terrific cast ar- around him. I want to ask about Dan Quinn because if if the Cowboys lose Quinn, all of a sudden they're they're resetting a defensive coordinator that by essentially unanimous decision has changed some of the things that he has done that has morphed over the years and and was a guy that that was became beloved not just in Dallas but in NFL circles for what he has done with the Cowboys defense how does that change the way that they look moving forward if Dan Quinn goes to let's say Denver or somewhere else I think it's pretty likely that he leaves but yeah it's 
it's why you can't just stay the same and hope to be back. You're going to probably lose Dan Quinn. You probably are going to lose some other coaches uh, as well that Dan Quinn right. will take with him. So yeah, you've got to be even better. You've got to find a defensive coordinator that can help, you know, against these good teams because Dan Quinn was incredible last week against Tampa Bay. I thought he was really good in this game against San Fran. Uh, it's going to be challenging. It's it's going to be a long off season for the Cowboys and they just have to know going forward. Listen, we've, we're we're a good team, not quite a great team, but we need to start making moves that allow us to compete with the Eagles and the 49ers and the Chiefs and the Bengals because I don't see those teams getting worse anytime soon. Stay up to date all year on the Dallas Cowboys by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Cowboys on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, Brian Dayball learned a valuable lesson in the Giants' playoff loss to the Eagles. Before we get to that, though, the Lakers have made a trade. All right, not Russell Westbrook. We'll explain. We're really excited about a new sports betting partner on Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today. You get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Looking at FanDuel's odds on the Super Bowl right now, the Philadelphia Eagles top the four remaining teams plus 230. I have them to win the NFC, I think at 12 to 1, maybe 16 to 1. The Cincinnati Bengals have the second highest odds at plus 260. The Chiefs right behind them, plus 270. The San Francisco 49ers have the lowest odds of the four, plus 320. I kind of like that. Don't miss out. Place your $5 bet to get that $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The LA Lakers have made a trade, but Russell Westbrook is staying put. Kendrick Nunn is not. But like, right? Who cares? He's heading to the Washington Wizards for forward Rui Hachimura. The deal also includes the swapping of second round picks. Hachimura, who's 24, had grown unhappy without a rookie contract extension in the preseason and became less of a priority with the emergence of Kyle Kuzma in the Wizards' front court. LA acquired Hachimura with the intention of signing him to an extension this summer. This from a report from ESPN. The Lakers believe that Hachimura gives them another wing defender who's shown the ability to make corner threes and mid-range shots when teams run the Lakers off that three-point line. Does it make them title contenders? No. Are they better? Yeah, probably. The Orlando Magic stole one from the Boston Celtics. Wait. No, that's not what the script says. The Orlando Magic beat the Boston Celtics. Jonathan Isaac is back, and it has energized this Orlando Magic team to do what a lot of people probably didn't think this young team could do, and that's beat the Boston Celtics and their nine-game winning streak and get their third win over the Celtics this season. My name is Philip Rossmark, the host of Locked On Magic, and obviously the storyline in this game is Jonathan Isaac making his return after two seasons, full two seasons, almost three years 
off the court at the Amway Center. He scored 10 points and just added a ton of energy to the game. In many moments, Isaac looked like the Isaac of old, the defensive terror, someone able to get steals and work his way around the basket. He obviously has a long way to go, but this game, the result of it at least, was about everyone else picking up the energy around him. The Magic's defense in the second half was absolutely killer. It fed their offense, it got them in transition, got them going downhill into the paint, into the basket, and doing everything that this team is very, very capable of doing. The Boston Celtics better hope that the Orlando Magic don't win that play-in tournament because it sure seems like the Magic are going to be a really tough out. On the ice, the New York Rangers dismantled the Florida Panthers. The new line combinations clicked for the New York Rangers in a 6-2 win over the visiting Florida Panthers. What is going on, everybody? This is John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers and the Rangers uh, mixing and matching, shuffling the deck a little bit as they've done uh, more times than we can even begin to count so far this season. It feels like they've pretty much used every combination of uh, forwards that they, they could possibly use, guys moving up and down and all over the lineup, but it was nice to see the new look lines, uh, you know, all contribute in this one. All three of the Ranger top lines came through with some offense. You've got the top line of uh, Panarin and Mika and Kreider, so they kind of stack that top line. We get another kid line reunion as the second line, and even the third line producing some offense, giving some uh, blue-collar shifts, uh, Trocek, VZ, and Goodrow, and also coming through with a goal there. So nice to see contributions up and down, and for one night at least, uh, the new line combinations uh, really, really clicked for the Rangers. We'll be talking about all that, as well as Igor Shesterkin nearly scoring an empty net goal on the next episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Do not miss it. And in some surprising off-season baseball news, the Los Angeles Angels are not for sale after all. Artie Marino is staying. This is John Frisch, one half of Locked On Angels. I host the show with my brother Mike. This was not the uh, the plot twist that we saw coming in this whole Angels ownership situation. The Angels announced, Artie Marino announced, the Marino family announced that they're staying. They're not selling the team. The exploratory process is over. <sighs> Excuse me. And here's the thing, friends. We had hope for 2023. Even with all the uncertainty around the team, we felt like Perry Manassian did a pretty good job in putting a team together in 2023. We thought that new ownership could convince Shohei Otani to stay in Anaheim. We were excited for new ownership who actually wanted to put a winning product on the field. And now we've got the same owner the last 20 years who for the last 10 years has turned this into a marketing machine. It's a money-making machine. It's always been a money-making machine and it will continue to remain that way. As long as the money keeps rolling in, they can neglect the minor leagues. They can neglect the Spanish broadcasting situation. They can neglect their relationship with the fans. They can continue to have a bad relationship with the city of Anaheim. Who knows if they're going to get a stadium deal done. We've got backdoor politics and... Ay, ay, ay. This is the man who's staying. This is the family who's staying. Here is another story you need to know. The New York Giants had a fantastic season, outpacing any expectations 
that we had of Daniel Jones, of Saquon Barkley, of Brian Dayball, and this new coaching staff, it comes crashing down 38-7 to in the divisional round after what was a great win against Minnesota in the wild card, super wild card weekend. Joining me now from Locked on Giants, Patricia Trena and Patricia, this, this model all season of be really difficult to prepare for, have an offense that is just going to out-execute you and be really well-schemed. Why did, why did that ultimately, that, that recipe that had worked all season, why did it not work against the Eagles? Well, I think it boils down to talent. I mean, the Eagles are stacked. They are loaded at just about every position. And you can make the case that the Eagles are strong where the Giants are weak. So the matchups just weren't very good. I mean, we saw it in week 14 when the Eagles blew the doors off the Giants. We saw it again in the divisional round. So there's just a really big talent disparity right now between the Giants and the Eagles. And general manager Joe Shane actually pointed to that when he met with the media on Monday. And, and it's true. I mean, if you look at the records in the division, the Giants had the worst record in the division. They were uh, they were one, four, and one. The Eagles in Dallas, four and two. They were Eagles in Dallas being higher seeds. So really the Giants, you know, they were able to get by with what they had for most of the season against a relatively softer schedule. But when it came time to face the better teams like the Eagles, just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and, and I think it was most apparent skill position players, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard for Philadelphia, and guys that the average NFL fan like that just plays fantasy football has no idea who they are because they're not on anyone's fantasy team because no one has Richie James or Daniel Bellinger on their fantasy teams. This does, though, raise an interesting question about Daniel Jones because for much of the season, you and I have talked about it on the show, Patricia, that it seems like he was playing his way into a new contract. And then now the conversation seems to have shifted to, well, this is actually why you don't pay Daniel Jones because in these moments he can't do it. What do you think is actually different? If anything, really nothing. I mean, Daniel Jones is one of 11 guys on offense. So if his offensive line isn't blocking for him against that good Eagles defensive front, if his receivers are dropping balls, if the defense are, is missing tackles, like which they did at an alarming rate, I think they had 14 missed tackles, if I'm not mistaken. You know, Dan, yeah, did Daniel Jones play a good game, a sharp game? No, you can, you know, let's be fair, but, you know, let's not put the blame all on his shoulders either. I don't think that necessarily erases everything that he did during the regular season, he did make improvements. He had career highs in rushing yardage, passing yardage, a career low in interceptions. He had a career best in, in completion percentages. So he did make progress, significant progress. That said, there's still a long way to go. And when the Giants sit down to work out a new deal with him, he's going to get paid. But is he going to get paid like a blockbuster type of deal with a lot of money per year? That I don't see. But I could see him probably landing somewhere in the $35 million range, which is about what Kirk Cousins gets over at Minnesota. I think that's going to be the range they try and target with him. Yeah, something like the Ryan Tannehill contract, maybe that, that Tennessee uh, and Tannehill worked out a couple of years ago. There is a, a lot of money that has been put into certain positions um, to, to this point. We, we all know the situation with Kenny Galladay that has not worked out for New York, but that creates some flexibility issues moving forward. How much flexibility do they have to add to a roster that, as you pointed out, does have some some clear and obvious talent deficiencies? Yeah, I think that's going to depend on what happens with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, mm. because 
the franchise tag for a quarterback is 32.445 million and the franchise tag for a running back is 10.1 million so that's what about 22 million difference so if you look at the cap space that the giants have uh for, for 2023 this according to over the cap by the way the giants have 42.843 million in effective cap space which is the money they're going to be able to spend to accommodate the top 51 which starts the first day of the new league year so if they have to tag daniel jones guess what now that 32 million is going to cut into that effective cap space and that's going to limit their flexibility Stay up to date all here on the New York Giants by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Giants on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, there is no trouble in paradise where Stefan Diggs is concerned. Stefan Diggs was not happy on Sunday. What we saw was him clearly yelling at Josh Allen on the sidelines. Josh Allen didn't have much to say in response. We also saw reports that he slipped out as quickly as possible after the game, not talking to reporters and leaving his teammates behind. Joe Marino from Locked On Bills believes there's nothing to see here. Now, look, I, if you want to extend criticism because Steph Diggs is a leader of the team with a C on his jersey, should have been there after the game to sit there and answer questions from media, okay. I don't know. Everybody handles things differently. That's one thing I've learned. I'm not an old guy, right? I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. I don't know everything. I, I'm fully aware of that, but one thing that I have learned as I've aged is that people process things and handle things differently, right? And expecting everyone to do things a certain way, that's, that's unreasonable on your behalf to, to think that every player is going to handle everything the same way or every person is going to handle every situation the same way, the way you think it should happen. And so, obviously, he's frustrated. He wanted to get out of the situation. And it is what it is. but. I don't think there's a bigger concern here. This is a fiery competitor that wants to be productive and wants to win football games. It all comes from a very good place. I'm willing to go there on this one. The pay no attention to the man behind the curtain kind of thing. There's a million reasons to give the Bills a pass for everything that's happened over the last month. Dealing with the kind of emotional trauma that they experienced with the DeMar Hamlin experience I don't want to hold anyone that accountable for these actions that they've taken for feeling the despair and feeling the emotions in these moments. I don't want to read too far into them because specifically of what this team went through. That being said, every team is always just a loss or two away. They're always just one moment or two away from being ripped apart. Not that this season and and the injury to Hamlin is what's going to do it, but another failed attempt. Another big move in Von Miller to try and get over the, the hump and they can't get there. At what point do player frustrations boil over? We see this all the time. You have a very finite window to make your run until players start to get unhappy. So maybe Stefan Diggs is fine now. But maybe the Bills start three and four next season. And now all of a sudden, all of the disappointment, all of the heartbreak and the losing. Winning can paper over a lot. We found that out in Green Bay this year. You're always this close. 
They're always on a knife's edge with a pro sports team, with a locker room, with a roster. We don't know how long the Bills are going to be able to maintain this level of play. So this situation, nothing to see here. Okay, I buy it. But also my response is, there's nothing to see here for now. And finally, Live Golf said its players would compete for $405 million in tournaments this season. That's $150 million more than they won in eight events in 2022. As golf continues navigating these uncharted waters, it is clear who has the most money to spend. But will the sport suffer? Well, if you want to watch it, you can find out after the rerun of One Tree Hill is on the CW. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow is Brock Purdy headed for his first career loss in the NFL on Sunday. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.